Welcome back to the Ryan Christie Podcast. Thank you for joining us for episode two. I'd like to thank everyone for uh, tuning in for the first one. It was a lot of fun doing that with Coach Melvin from Burlington Central High School. Um, this has been uh, this has been a fun little project, and we're going to keep it rolling. For episode two, we have a uh, longtime friend and mentor of mine, Coach Albie Zander, uh, who is a uh, health teacher at Glenbard West High School in Glen Ellen, Illinois. Uh, he is on the north side of Glen Ellen, and I teach at Glenbard South, which is on the south side of Glen Ellen. Coach Zander has been an educator for 28 years. He's been coaching that whole time, uh, football and basketball. He's done a little track, and he'll allude to that. But it was a great conversation uh, because it's really clear where you can see what his priorities are. Um, and sometimes I think that's important, not sometimes, all the time. It's important for people to reinforce what priorities are. And for him, uh, the number one thing is, is he's, a, he's a husband and a father. Uh, and and he's, a, he's a great husband and he's a great father. He's an educator, then a coach, and then he's a man of faith. And, and you will hear clearly that his faith, uh, his faith gives him, um, that it, it enlightens the path that he is on and it provides him it provides him with direction and uh and and he he utilizes his life experiences and his faith to help guide young people but i but i know by you listening to the information and the stories that he that he shared uh you're going to hear some really good things that i think can help everybody um you know no matter the situation so enjoy our conversation on the Ryan Chrissy podcast with Mr. Alby Zander. All right, Coach Zander, we're live. How are we doing? Doing good, doing good. So, um, so let's let's start from the beginning, from the very beginning of time. Um, <laughs> so, you know, as 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 I mentioned to you before in, in conversation, you know, I wanted to bring people on here that you know selfishly have had an impact on me but also I think people that have had an impact on a lot of people and just you know give give you guys a platform that you know people that are educators people that are educators and coaches or you know people associated with that to just kind of share you know who you are you know why you are the way you are all those fun things um so let's let's start from the top you know you're your upbringings, um, you know, maybe maybe not as as typical as as someone who lives in the western suburbs of Chicago as as maybe you know, let's say mine or, or you know, a lot of people that I grew up with in the Glen Ellen Wheaton area. Yeah. So yeah, beginning of time. Um, so my mom and dad actually met um, in what they call missions training. And it was actually, uh, so they were both, um, had signed up to be with, uh, a mission and they met at the training together. They call it jungle camp where they literally are learning to live <laughs> in the, uh, jungles and be able to do a lot of that stuff. My dad went down as a pilot and my mom went down as a teacher wow. and, um, they started their married lives in Peru and Ecuador hmm. and then uh, went to Colombia. And my two older sisters were born in Ecuador and Colombia. So they have dual citizenship. Wow. That's crazy. And yeah. And I was born 
um, during the Columbia uh, phase, but I was born on what they call a furlough. They, they had a year back in the United States mm -hmm. and I was born on that furlough, but I went back when I was five months old. So from five months old to um, 10, I have very fond memories of growing up in the uh, plains of Columbia. Um, you know, I, I remember doing a speech in college where I uh, started it off by saying, um, not many people get to experience what I experienced growing up with a lake house, my own boat. And I went through all these things and then I, I uh, paused and said, my lake house had cement floors and screens. My boat was a dugout canoe, you know, and I went through all this stuff, but it was uh, very significant because um, who I am today has a lot to do with what I grew up seeing, seeing my mom and dad literally um, have very little resources, but not knowing that we were, you know, poor per se. Mm -hmm. um, and then just seeing them literally their whole lives were about serving others. Sure. Um, and so that had a huge, uh, significant impact on me. And then we came back on a furlough when I was 10. That wasn't supposed to be, um, wasn't supposed to turn into a stain here, but, um, my dad grew up in the uh, south suburbs of Chicago and we went back on furlough because my grandpa was sick and um, um, he was the main caretaker for my grandpa. And anyway, that furlough turned into we um, just settled in the south suburbs and that's where I grew up in a, in a pretty diverse area. Sure. And that actually, I went to Bloom High School. Um, which super proud of, of that part of my life as well, significantly impacted me and how I feel about, um, you know, different races. And um, that was very significant in my, my life as well. Didn't get to the uh, Western suburbs until my mom and dad moved here when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually lived with them while I student taught at Glenbard North and then I got hired that next year um, and started my teaching career at Glenbard North 28 years ago 28 um, you don't 28. Look like you're older than 28 <laughs> <laughs> so yes I know so, you can't see his face and maybe you guys can google him but he's a handsome man <laughs> uh shucks no. no but um yeah all those different experiences and so many details that maybe we'll get to uh you know really have impacted who i am today and who our family is today so yeah well you know you you mentioned you know you were you know when you were growing up in south america and experiencing that from five months till 10 years old you said you were poor in resources but i mean just knowing you you were you guys were definitely rich in other phases of your life uh, Absolutely. Yeah. What, what did, what did that look like? You know, I guess coming from the 10 year olds perspective, right. What did that look like? And now, you know, being a, a, a man who's 
who's married and, and has, has children. What, what does that look like now compared to when you were 10? Yeah. Um, I think like a lot of young people when they grow up, they don't necessarily know, you know, different things about um, what their life is, you know, and I just remember um, hearing later in my life, what my mom and dad, um, you know, shared with us how there was several times where they literally had um, nothing to feed us and a check would show up in the mail, you know. Um, so I am a deep man of faith. Um, and I like to tell people my faith was formed where it wasn't a concept. I saw it lived out every day in my mom and dad's lives and lives of other people. Cause I think a lot of times when we grow up in, in our culture, in our, you know, sometimes more affluent culture, um, I think sometimes um, faith is kind of conceptual. Sure. You know, we go, we, we go to, we go to church. We, you know um, it's not, you know, devaluing the faith that people grow up in. But what, what I experienced was, um, you know, it was, I saw it lived out in real and tangible ways that made it uh, stick with me. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's you, you, you know, and I, I grew up in the Catholic faith and it's, it's interesting too, because it had to be through various life experiences to realize, like you said, Faith isn't lived in a, in a concrete structure. Yep. It's, it's lived, you know, throughout, throughout various phases of your life and, and how you live those ways. So yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful thing and, and perspective to take based off of what your parents set forth for you. Yeah, absolutely. So the, and then, you know, now, you know, how do you take some of those lessons? Because, you know, your, your family grew up in the Western suburbs, you know, your children and, and you establish yourselves, you know, out, out in the Western suburbs, you know, how did you, how do you deliver that message to them? And, and how have you seen that play out in real yeah. circumstances? Yeah, let me, uh, this, this will come up eventually. Um, so I think it probably ties into these things. So if I take you back to um, college, mm -hmm. so I, I actually, I graduated from Bloom. I went to Washington University in St. Louis. Mr. Smart um, guy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what's funny about that is my sisters were both valedictorians at Bloom. Okay. Um, so the bar was set pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I did well in school. Um, I, got, I got grades because I worked hard. I wasn't as... Uh, things didn't come as easy for me as it did for my sisters. I don't think they were good test takers. <laughs> so anyway, but I got into Wash U. Don't know that I would get in there today um, with test scores, but um, went down there. I was recruited to play football there and I um, had a great experience, um, but I was there for pre-med <laughs> and okay. yeah. So um Taking you back to, you know, 17, 18 year old figuring out what they want to study. 
Mine was based on, I had several football injuries and my orthopedic surgeon was uh, big time and he had really cool cars and he got to hang out with people like Michael Jordan. Yeah. And when I, when I was caddying at uh, Flossmore Country Club, every time I mentioned WashU as a possibility, these people would just be like, oh, WashU, WashU, WashU. So I would like to tell you my reasons for choosing for choosing WashU were more pure than that, but that's how it started. And that's probably why it didn't stick. Mm -hmm. um, so my sophomore year at WashU, I decided, you know, um, pre-med wasn't for me, but I wanted to stay in sports medicine. And um, I had a, uh, I still remember, I was recruited by North Park out of uh, high school because my coach's son, went there and I still had the application in my drawer at WashU for whatever reason. I just remember like knowing that I probably shouldn't be, you know, paying this much money to go to WashU if I didn't want to be a doctor and I was looking at other options and I literally filled it out, sent it in. And the next thing I know, coach is calling me and um, one of my, biggest influences in going to North Park was at the time the Bears trainer Brian McCaskey attended North Park okay and when I was talking to the sports med people they said a lot of people get um internships with the Bears and and so I I just thought that was great so next thing I know I'm at North Park um playing football and studying sports med um and that was going well um i played two years there um and i remember after my it was during my senior season that um i actually started uh athletes in action at north park um that's an organization that um i got in contact with, somehow with the bears chaplain was an athletes in action um staff member and we ended up starting one in north park and he was very influential in my life and he took me to uh athletes in action big 10 retreat because he was also working at northwestern mm -hmm. so it was me and my uh north park teammate and all these big 10 athletes and probably one of the most significant things in my life was a speaker that was speaking about, you know, to all these college students that were all kind of in the same boat. We think we know what we want to do with our lives, but we really have no idea. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we're studying different things. And I remember very clearly, he said, if you want to find fulfillment in life, you need to invest in the only two things that last forever. And that's the word of God and people's souls. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing that and, you know, just like all these questions and wrestling with like, what am I supposed to do with my life? Sure. It just, man, when he said that investing in only two things, things that last forever. You second, yeah. when, yeah, you have those and it's so, it's so wild how those things come up. Right. I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah this sounds cool. You know, I'm interested in doing this. I'm going to go listen to this guy and boom. Boom. Well, and here's the, the second boom was 
he didn't stop there and he said practically speaking here's what i want you to do and he actually said i want all you to just take time to do this right now he said i want you to write down um all the people that have impacted you the most and i want you to think about what they do with their lives and why they've impacted you and then he said if you do what they do you're going to be fulfilled and so it was really my my list was pretty short it was my parents my teachers and coaches mm-hmm. and so that was it i knew parenting was going to be significant for me even though <laughs> i had no idea what that meant Sure. And also teaching and coaching. So I literally went back to school that week. And remember, I'm a I'm a senior. <laughs> um, and I talked to the education people about um, kind of just adding on to my degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went back for a fifth year. <laughs> and I actually student taught my sixth year. But here's what's What's so fascinating to me is for the first time in my my educational career, when I was in education classes, I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. I got straight A's. I did not have to work as hard because it came naturally, naturally to me. Yeah. And, um, you know, the I'd like to say the rest is kind of history because the two most important, well, the three most important roles in my life are um, husband, dad, and then teacher and coach. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have lived by, you know, that investing in basically the translation to that in a a secular, you know, format of teaching as you invest in individuals, my players, my, my students, my colleagues. Um, invest in their souls, which is relationships. And my two kind of um, mantras that, I mean, I remember being interviewed at Glumbar North and telling them these were my guides. Um, No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And rules without relationship equal rebellion. And, uh, as a young teacher and coach, you know, I didn't even know the significance of, of those, but I knew that's what I wanted to be about. And what's so cool about 28 years of doing this, um, literally some of my best friends today are my former, um, players, um, that are now (laughs) probably your age, you know, in their forties and, um, you know, they, they contact me regularly. Um, and, you know, some of my favorite moments as a, as an adult, as a human are, you know, being able to help my players, my former players, uh, as different challenges have, have come up. Oh yeah. I mean, you, you give them, you know, now we're in the day and age where you give that those those kids that you have those deep connections with when they graduate, you know, you give them your cell phone number, you say, reach out if you need anything. And you just kind of push it to the side a little bit, you know, I mean, you're a resource if they need it. And then 
it'll be years down the road and they reach out to you for something. Yeah. And well, and that's, that's one of the things I've actually, a lot of people, you know, talk about social media and it's definitely not perfect, but the reason that I stay on it are two reasons. Um, I use it as a kind of a journal for my family and my life mm-hmm. that I love looking back on. You know, I started it when my kids were young, just again, having no idea what I was doing, but it's been so cool. And then um, the ability to just stay in, in touch with, you know, so many of your former players is uh, pretty significant because that's usually how they, you know, see what's going on in our lives and mine and theirs. And Right. Um, well, you know, and it's just... Um... You know, I used to, I used to, I used to say, you know, I'm a, I'm a teacher who coaches. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think now you are, you are who you are, you know, who, who I am, who I am. And I'm sure it's the same way for you, who I am at home with my family is the same way I am in the classroom. And it's the same way I am in, on the football field or at the track. And, uh, you know, in, in, in when you could present that in all those different phases of your life consistently, you know, there's, there's going to be people that are going to be attracted to that and people that are going to connect with you. And, and, you know, the lessons that you could teach, you know, I mean, not just, you know, and in you as a, as a health teacher, but I mean, yeah, we're, we're teaching a content and, and curriculum, but it's those teachable moments that come up because of life that, that makes the most impact. Right. And, uh, and and it's a a gift to be able to, it's a gift to be able to share, you you know, like you mentioned before we started the wisdom that you have, Yeah, you know, through experiences. I've seen, you know, so I think I, you know, make a, a connection with students in class, but where, where I see like the former student athletes that I'm closest with there's a couple things in common so my first group at Glenbard North I coached them as freshmen when I was student teaching Mm -hmm. and I moved up uh, to sophomore level with them in actually two sports in football and baseball Mm -hmm. and you know there's a there's a solid group of them where you know so I I had them in class taught them in uh um, I mean, uh, coached them in football for two different years. Uh, we spent countless hours. I mean, I was still single then. So I, I worked the weight room a lot and, you know, we formed some deep relationships, like I said, that, you know, are still going on today. And, um, you know, just really important. And, you know, one of those individuals, well, there's several of them, but, um, I've even become even closer to them in, in recent uh, years. It's kind of got re reconnected and, um, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're so important, you know, um, and I think about how those relationships were formed. And then I have a, a couple different groups from Glenbard West where same thing happened, coach them as freshmen and sophomores. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to eat lunch with them every day for four years. And, 
you know, that's significant time where things come up. So they're talking to you about their, their relationships are talking to you about, you know, everything. Right. And, uh, you know, now as adults, you know, some of those individuals have, um, survived cancer, um, have survived, um, you know, I remember a few years ago, one of these guys that I'm very tight with, uh, he was ready to get a divorce and he reached out to me. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not the reason he didn't get a divorce, but I like to think that, you know, God used me to, to just help him through that time. Sure. You know, that, um, that was, was significant. And, you know, recently with, with the, uh, with COVID and the race issues that are going on, mm -hmm. um, several, several of my former players have reached out to me and we've had some really tough, deep conversations that um, have been, been good for them, but I will tell you, they've been really important for me too. Sure. Um, so, you know, I, I look back sometimes and think how rules without relationship equal rebellion or nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. um, word of God and people's souls, like these are things that were, you know, um, brought to me at a very um, young age and um, really stuck with me as I started my teaching and coaching career. And now I, I get to see the, just the um, fulfillment of, you know, what that means 28 years later when, you know, this, this speaker at this, you know, uh, Big Ten AIA retreat says, invest in the only two things that last forever, you know, and what that actually means. Sure. Um, and another really cool thing about that. So one of the first people that came to mind when he said, Hey, think about who's impacted you. I thought of my high school coach, coach Rusk. Mm -hmm. um, three years ago, he reached out to me in the summer and he's been coaching with us the last three years, oh, 57 cool. years of experience. <laughs> um, and all my stories that I used to tell my athletes, you know, about me being a player and how coach Rusk pushed me and um, challenged me. But we had deep conversations in the weight room. Um, his son is the one that went to North park, which is where I ended up. Like this man has had a significant impact on my life. And it's so cool that he's coaching with me now. Um, you know, and I mean, he's coached hundreds and hundreds of athletes and he's coaching with me, you know, like that's, that's pretty humbling. And again, how, how things seem to come full circle. Sure. So, you know, you, you've been coaching, um, you've been coaching lower level football, you know, and freshman, freshman, sophomore football for a long time at, at, at Glenbard West. Why, um, and, and I'm sure you've had the opportunity. Why, why stay down at that level as opposed to go up to, to that varsity level? Yeah. 
So I was actually uh, two things that significantly happened young when in my young career. One, um, you know, every every young coach thinks they want to be a head coach. I was just like that. Yeah. Um, I was dumb enough to do it. You know, I love it. <laughs> well, I love it. I love it. I wouldn't give it up until my kids get to high school. But yes, I know what you're saying. Well, what's funny is uh, listening last week to your podcast with uh, um, Coach Melvin. Like you guys both talked about um, the stress of being a head coach and how your wives both said, like, you know, something's got to change. Sure. <laughs> Funny thing is I have had those same experiences at the lower levels. So, um, you know, I think we're all wired similarly that we care deeply. <laughs> and I, I laugh sometimes because I know you know, the 10 people in the stands at a freshman game are like, dude, this is freshman football. Like, what the heck? And um, for us, this is we spend countless hours with these young young men. And um, it's as important as as if we we're coaching varsity. Mm -hmm. And the other so there's, there's a couple of things that happen. Um, I was actually the D coordinator on varsity um, for one year. And I enjoyed certain parts of that, but I realized um, that the X's and O's is not, you know, something that I'm passionate about. Um, I, I realized other people are. Now, I love the relationships um, aspect that you get guys for two years at the varsity level. But then the other thing that happened was I was actually the head track coach at Glombard West for three years. And I learned during that time, all that head coaches do that makes most people who eventually give up head coaching, give it up. Um, I'd rather, I'd rather be the head football coach for two programs yeah. at the same time than be the head coach for track. I mean, now that I've done yeah. it, now that I did it, it's, I, you know, I can understand, <laughs> but it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, and it, as you know, you don't know until you know. Sure. And, um, you know, this is probably not the time to admit, but you know, all the parents issues, the, sure. you know, just the paperwork, the, the, the administrative stuff is what turns people away. And yeah. in, in the end, you know, there could be some other reasons, but I mean, you know, whether it's you know, the Glenbards, because that's what we yeah. know, you know, typically yeah. successful programs across the board. And it's, it's a lot. I mean, yeah. football, football, I mean, in essence, you study film, you game plan, you practice, you play, you start over. Yeah. And you, you track two late nights a week. And that's not even the, that's not even the meats. Yeah. That's putting in, putting in lineups. That's. <laughs> Yeah, people don't understand the stress of the the weekly lineups that, you know, I think I started it right when it was becoming more online. Yeah. And so that was part of the, the toil was, you know, figuring all that out because it was pretty new. Yep. Um, now, I will say um, those were reasons, but the primary reason is um, you kind of find your sweet spot. Mm -hmm. and um, I teach freshmen 
and I get to meet them as freshmen. And then when you coach freshmen, you get to know them for four years. Yeah. And I love that role of giving guys their first experience in what is now basketball. I coach freshman basketball as well, basketball and football. A lot of those guys are, I get to coach them in two sports, like I told you before. And, you know, um, get to help them for four years because you make that initial contact. And I will say also that um, I've always had um, other coaches at our level that uh, we could be at any level and we have embraced that level. And, and, you know, our biggest recruiters for our freshman football program are former players and parents. Um, I, I, I love the fact that, you know, with, with all the concussion talk that goes on, we have quite a few Glen Ellen, Glendale Heights moms that are pushing other moms to have their, their boys play freshman football just so they can have that experience. Sure. And then, then our goal is that they will have such a positive experience. They'll continue playing. Right. And that does happen for a lot of them. Not, not everyone, but, um, you know, that really is something that our freshman coaches take a lot of pride in is just giving them that first experience and making it more than just about football, but about instilling, you know, positive, uh, um, life lessons and, you know, focusing on their academics and, Sure. Um, you know, coach McCluskey, who, you know, um, yep. he, he always says our goal is to hang out for the next 50 years. <laughs> and, uh, coach, I can see coach McCluskey saying that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, it's, um, and it's, it's true. Like, again, I'm living it out now. I laugh now because I don't think I have 50 more years to hang out, but you never know. Um, <laughs> oh. so, so yeah. It's just really, um, I'm at a point in my, my career where it's just really neat to look, look at all that's happened, um, with these things that, you know, they could be lip service. Well, they're not They're, I mean, I really do enjoy seeing these young, young people's families and, um, you know, they come back and coach with us and, you know, they're going on to achieve, you know, really significant things and um, just, just really, really positive. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the impact, the impact of lower level coaches, I think, you know, a lot of times go so understated because, you know, whether it's social media, um, you know, recruitment wise, you know, everything's focused on those varsity athletes, you know, sometimes starts as a sophomore or but definitely junior and senior year, but you know, those lower levels, that's, that's where the program's built. Yeah. And uh, you know, you know, with under coach Hetlitz, you know, tutelage, it's, you know, it's nice. And I have the same thing here at Glenbard South where I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to micromanage. It's you, you got it. Right. If, if usually like you mentioned before, if, if there's something wrong or, you know, they need something, Right. That's when that's when the freshman coaches or the lower level coaches are tapped because then, you know, you're doing something right. 
when you don't when you're not in the constant communication about this and that and and i think that you guys especially over at west and here at glenbard south it's it's a it's nice to have a, a program where where coaches are expected and, and know you know you know what to do and you know when to do it and right. for as heck you know how to work with work with kids um so you know talk about um you know we'll, we'll we'll jump back to your family here in a minute but you know young people that are you know you know going you know whether they're you know in a transition phase right so high school to college or even trying to pick that career path you know what? What do you what do you say to those kids, or even even your own, even your own sons and and, and daughters? Because you you've got a few that are in those transitional. <laughs> phases. What what approach do you take for those for those young people? Yeah, you know, um, again, one of the I describe this to my classes and to my student athletes a lot. Like when I first started coaching, I was like their older brother. And I would give them advice when they would ask me. But the interesting thing is I didn't have life experience to actually know and be passionate about what I was telling them. It was just different. Like I could tell them about my own experiences. You know, now I'm like my students um, and my student athletes. I'm like their dad, mm. you know, and. I tell them I'm telling you the same things that I'm telling my own kids and what I would what I would say that I'm very passionate about is that um, one of my favorite quotes that I have at the end of my email I have it all over my classroom um, is by gladiator what we do in life echoes in eternity mm -hmm. and um, obviously as a man of faith that has even a deeper meaning to me but even the gladiator it's like what we're doing now matters and I think for so many freshmen you know they're caught up in their world they're caught up in their friends they they kind of you know whatever path they're on or whatever path their friends are on that's kind of one they go with right. and unfortunately um we have way too many examples of young people that have gotten off track somewhere. And sadly, um, many of them are not with us anymore. Mm -hmm. And I have stories like that, that, you know, I, I tell, you know, um, again, we tell a lot of stories that, um, and I love it when players come back and on a regular basis, I'll say, Hey, here's a text I got this morning about how important freshman year was to this 40 year old. Okay. You guys are living that right now. And what, what's significant? Well, who you hang around with, um, we, we know the quotes that are about that, but who you hang around with is truly who you become yeah. choose wisely. And I can tell you for my own kids, I have five kids, my three oldest are in college. I can tell you there's probably few things that were more significant for them than choosing their friendships. And as hard as it was, they actually had to choose to distance themselves by um, from certain friend groups over time, sometimes multiple times. Right. And it was hard. And 
we see the same thing with our student athletes. Like one of the things I tell um, our, our freshman players is um, my goal is that you'll actually get to meet our varsity coaches so that they can influence your life. Because quite honestly, some of our best players never got to meet them because their troubles um, engulf them and they never got to experience, you know, what, what a young person should. Um, and we all know the main distractors are at some point, um, you know, drinking, drug use, um, you know, those are the two that we see that distract most often, sometimes lack of focus in the classroom. But for the ones that, um, you know, find that group of people that care about themselves first and then others second, I say first and second, because it's hard to care about others if you don't care about yourself. And um, I've seen that play out in all my kids' lives, like more than ever, like their um, you know, you got 24 hours in the day and, and what you are doing on social media and who you're surrounding yourself with is going to impact what type of dad, husband, you know, whatever you are, um, all these years later. And again, I have way too many examples, um, which, you know, are good. Um, because I also have very positive examples. Hey, here's, here's this guy, here's how he was in, in high school, you know? Um, and I think that's probably the most significant thing is caring about, um, you know, what you're doing, even though you don't realize the impact that it's going to have on you for forever. And those people around you. Yeah. And, and, and things are, things are so short-sighted today. Um, and, you know, maybe they always were, but you know, things are so short-sighted people, you know, and when you said you, you got to care for yourself before you care for others, you know, and, and we're always taught in the society, you know, to be, to be selfless, but if you're just constantly helping others or, or, you know, trying to impress others, you're, you're going to fall to the wayside and you're going to be left in the dust. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I take that upon myself and, and I know the, the other teachers I work with, uh, and, and, the, and the people that I coach with, it's, you know, we really take in that role of and loco parentis. Your parents aren't here. Guess what? I'm your dad. I'm your dad. Yeah. Right because one, we, we care about you and we love you. And this is the path we chose is to guide you. Um, and, you know, that's that's incredibly important to help kids get those get get, you know, have those perspectives. Right. So the um, so. So talk, talk about, talk about your family. Everyone's got a little bit of a different path in your family. And, you know, we've, it's interesting when you, when you build these podcasts, you really don't know who you listen, your <laughs> listeners are, you know, who a, a few of them are, but as it grows, you know, it, it's, it's hard to distinguish. So give, give us a little bit of background about, about your family and, and kind of what their, what their paths are and, and how it kind of coincides with, with your upbringing. Yeah. Um, so I'm a father of five. Um, my wife's name is Lori. Um, Lori and I met at North Park. Um, and 
we've had quite the journey. We just celebrated 25 years uh, in June of marriage. Um, we dated for four though. <laughs> remember go. that? Remember that year when I said I was a senior? Well, I met her um, as a freshman. <laughs> I tell you, like my wife told me, the only reason I graduated on time was because of her. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 it right there, Tell and that's me, right. That that's the the other side of like, oh, you're gonna get a education degree as well. I was basically just buying more time at North Park, uh, you know. But that was probably more of the subconscious. Sure. So, um, yeah, our family. I have three in college. The oldest is Zach. Um, our three oldest graduated from Wheaton North. Wheat North was um, great for our kids. Um, last summer, we made a big move and moved to uh, Glenbar District so that my youngest two could uh, go to West. And what's interesting is people think I, you know, I was behind that. And the, I, I actually kind of prefer them having their own thing. But our youngest, Benji, Benji's a sophomore. Benji would always just be like, Dad, I'm going to West. I'm going to West. And I was like, dude, it doesn't really work like that. But he, uh, him and his brother, you know, started talking. They're both athletes. And I think that had a lot to do with it. But Benji, um, and he, he, um, he was in my class as a freshman. One of the coolest experiences I've ever had. I kept asking him, are you sure about this? Because his counselor is a good friend of mine. So well, put him in whatever class he wanted. Do you even um, do you even own an article of clothing that doesn't say Glumbard West? Um, I so funny story there. So when I to go to my kids Wheat North stuff, I was actually an Air Force fan growing up, which is the Falcons, and it's same color. So I do have an Air Force uh, sweatshirt that just says Falcons, just one, and, and then I have a shirt that's a Nike Falcons shirt. So there you go. I I do own own two pieces of uh um non-glumbard was so anyway so benji um yeah he was the one that kind of you know pushed all of this and you know it's been awesome having it the way i describe it is um you know at west um they just have you know different advocates because i'm there um you know whether it's coaches you know, my former players, things like that. But anyway, so, so Zach is a senior at Taylor University, just uh, recently engaged. Um, he's thrived at Taylor. Um, my daughter, Maddie, is a uh, junior at North Park. She ended up going to North Park. Footsteps. Um, uh, despite my wife and I go there. <laughs> um, and then my other daughter she just started her freshman year at indiana wesleyan um and then so my something significant is um our three oldest are biological and then samson and benji are adopted from liberia west africa mm-hmm. um and that's a significant part of our our story if you remember going back to um fulfillment who's had the most impact on you I said my parents and my coaches and teachers well um this could be a long story I'll make it shorter is we got to a point 
we were trying to, you know, figure out if we wanted to have more kids or whatnot. And um, we had a lot of connections to adoption. Um, many of you know Coach McCarroll, um, coaches with me. I've coached with him for my whole Glumbard West career. His two kids are adopted um, and they were our kids, really good friends. And so my kids were, my two oldest were pretty young and they would say, dad, why don't we adopt? Well, another significant part of that story was I had always thought about adoption. Um, my wife had always thought about adoption for that reason that I told you two most influential people in my life were my parents and my teachers and coaches. So, um, uh, significant part of the story that I'll, I'll just make quick is um, I left teaching at Glumbard North after four years, moved to um, the inner city and pursued a master's in um, urban missions and um, youth development. Didn't think I would ever come back to the suburbs to teach, um, but it had a lot to do with my upbringing. Like I said, my, my parents being a mission. So I have a master's in urban um, studies. And uh, um, during that whole two-year process of studying that, I was basically looking at um, how to impact youth positively, especially um, you know, youth that don't have advantages. Um, so socioeconomically, um, you know, in, in certain populations. And I was working with a group of students um, from the inner city. Um, they, they lived in a very uh, tough area. And I was working with them two hours a day. And I remember realizing that the other 22 hours of the day, they're in chaos. Sure. And quite frankly, I didn't see a lot of fruit in my investment in them, investment in them. And I remember part of my, my, my thesis was how do we impact um, young people in more profound ways? And one of the ways was we have to be with them more than two hours. And so honestly, that's why I went back to teaching was I realized um, that's where kids are for most of the day. And then if you coach them, that's another two, three hours a day. And then the other significant thing I realized is if you bring them into your family. And I was super frustrated. Like I, I tend to take on a lot of the problems in the world <laughs> and I would love to not be like that. But I've always been um, just super frustrated with the plight of orphans. And I didn't have a lot of answers, but I did know that. And if, if you become, if they become family, you can significantly impact them. So um, I remember um, as part of our health classes, we have talks on adoption, which are, they is part of the, the state code and one of the families that came and spoke um we've become really good friends with and um they came and spoke to our classes for a while and i would always just be really impressed with their their passion for adoption and their message and i remember always talking to them about the possibility of adoption and i remember 
when my wife and I finally decided we were going to do it and take the initial steps, um, he says to me, he's like, um, he knew that why we wanted to do it. We wanted to do it from a country, an area that really had a lot of needs. And he had just gotten back from Liberia. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, check out Liberia, West Africa, 14 year civil war, um, chaos. And he said, oh man, I still remember this. He said, if you adopt girls, they do not become part of the uh, sex trafficking trade. And if you adopt boys, they do not become child soldiers. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I love just the practicality of that. Like I, you know, like just like that, that talk way back in college, invest in these two things, you know, that made sense to me. And it was funny. I, I call Lori. I said, Hey, check out Liberia. When I got home that day, she knew more about Liberia than I think Liberians know. <laughs> and that started the, the process. Um, and Samson uh, was four and Benji was two when um, they came home to the United States with us. Um, we have some incredible contacts in Liberia still. Um, and, you know, just have grown to love that country and wanting to instill and support, you know, my boys' roots. We're planning on going back this summer for the first time since, um, you know, they came, came to the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so again, going back to my, my upbringing in another country, growing up in the South suburbs in a very diverse area, my love of other cultures, other people, not, not wanting everybody to be the same, um, you know, is a big part of our own family. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I um, wouldn't trade our family for anything. I mean, um, I don't want to paint this rosy picture like it's always, like it's always easy because it's not, but um, our faith is, has grounded us. And that's been, you know, the thing that I think my kids has observed. And um, we have, one of my favorite verses is Galatians 6, 9, do not become weary in doing good for in the end, you will reap the benefits if you don't give up. And that's, uh, that's all over our house. And, you know, that's kind of, been my encouragement to my own kids um just hey keep keep caring about who you're hanging out with keep caring about doing the right things and you know there's been some tough challenging times but as they get older um you know I think you start to see the fruit of that and you know um whether it's my son's um fiance is just as incredible as he is you know and the my junior daughter spent, she took a year off last year and worked at an orphanage in um, Mexico for the year and still has a lot of her heart there. Um, And my freshman daughter, you know, uh, choosing a school where, you know, they, she's a, she's a very um, talented uh, sprinter and, and she's running at Indiana Wesleyan. But one of the main reasons she chose it was their their track mission of, um, you know, seeking God first in, in all that you do. And, um, you know, my son 
as he's a senior football player and going through a lot of hardships, uh, you know, not getting to, to play right now, um, you know, and just seeing him grow and his, his faith and, you know, him choosing schools and wanting that for himself. Like, these are all things that, you know, you just pray and hope for. Um, but then you start to see the, the, the fruit of that. That's, and as a dad, there's nothing that means more to me than, um, as the verse says, seeing your, um, kids follow after, uh, God, you know? So, yeah. Well, I think, I think that, no, I don't think I know, you know, you, the impact, the impact that you, that you've had on your family, you've, you've had that same impact on, on a lot of, on a lot of kids that, that have crossed your path and a lot of people you've connected with. And, 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 and it's, it's, it's fulfilling to know that people will come to you in, in need, whether they're blood or not. Um, and that you can, you can say, Hey, here, here's some words of wisdom. You know, I've, I've been there, I've done that. And, and, and your, your, your upbringing is not the typical, um, you know, Midwestern, you know, uh, mid Midwestern suburbanite family, right? Your, your, your right. upbringing is very, very different. And, and I appreciate you sharing all of this with us. And, and I know it'll, it'll reach, it'll reach several people, if, if not more that, that you can, you know, spread your, your knowledge and, and your information and, and, and just your experiences and people can, can take some of these lessons and, and apply them, apply them to their own. So I, I really appreciate it. Coach Xander, you coming on and, and sharing your truth with us today. Wow. I, was, I listened to your podcast last week and when you asked me and, uh, and I'm like, that's right up my alley. I love listening to podcasts. Um, I love conversations. You know, that's, I think where, you know, uh, you, you kind of get somewhere with just being able to talk like, Hey, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your experiences. And, um, I really appreciated even just listening to that one last week and um, appreciate you having me on. And um, you're an example of, you know, all the things that we're talking about. I mean, thank you. You're, you're investing in um, people every day. And, and I think you're, you're seeing fruit as well. So yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. It's uh, it's, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Yeah. <laughs> Blessing and a curse. Thank you very much again to Coach Xander for coming on and sharing his knowledge and experience with everybody. And hopefully you guys took something away from it. I uh, look forward to doing uh, episode three and uh, looking to change it up a little bit with, uh, with the individual that I'm going to bring on. Maybe someone who's not currently teaching or coaching. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Everyone have a great week. And we'll talk soon.